May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us. Amen. God's word for our consideration this morning as we wrap up our look at our path of worship as we've been doing in the last several Sundays is taken from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 22 to 26. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus, who blesses and keeps us daily in his grace, dear friends. Let me ask you a question, especially those of you who are movie lovers. Have you ever watched the credits? I mean, the entire credits. Actually read through all of the credits that scroll down the screen at the end of a movie. Chances are either you haven't or you've maybe only done it once or twice. For good reason. You know, normally we, the credits start rolling. If you're at a theater, first thing you do is it, it just is your signal. The movie's over. Get the popcorn bucket, get your coat, and get ready to get out of the theater. Or if you're at home, credits start rolling. Hit the pause button or look for something else to watch or turn the TV off. Because quite frankly, in most cases, the credits really don't tell you anything you want to know or need to know. I mean, they start with the main cast, but usually by the end of the movie, you've pretty much figured out who's in it. And then after the cast of actors and actresses, there's this almost endless list of names of just about everybody who had anything at all to do with the making of that movie. There's the, the camera operators and the stuntmen. There are the grips, gaffers, and best boys, whatever those are. They, they even list who is the caterer for the, the cast of, the, of that movie production. And unless your brother-in-law was the best boy or whatever that is, or, or, or your college roommate was the caterer, you probably don't really care about that information. So the credits are just something scrolling up the screen as you walk out the door of the theater. This morning in our sermon, we are coming to the end of, of this series of sermons that we've been doing for the last several weeks where we've been tracing our path of worship, the, the, the order of service, our liturgy as we follow it most Sundays. We, we started with the invocation, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, reminding us that we're in God's house in His presence as His baptized children. We went and proceeded down the path to the confession and absolution where we tell our God, confess to him our sins, and then hear that wonderful, amazing, comforting message from God himself through his servant, I forgive you all your sins. We paused for a couple of weeks at the high point of our worship services. That is when God speaks to us in his word and in his sacraments. Last Sunday, we looked at how we speak to God, how, how, how we reply to him in our prayers, and in our praises. Well, today we come to the end. One of the very last things that happens in our worship service. And I'm afraid this, for many of us, maybe is tempting to treat kind of like 
the credits at the end of a movie. When you see the pastor raise his hands as he does every Sunday and speak those familiar words starting with the Lord bless you and keep you, I think it's pretty easy and pretty tempting for us to immediately switch our brain off, start thinking about getting my stuff together and walking out of church because we'll be doing that pretty quick, kind of like the credits rolling up the screen at the end of a movie. And that's too bad. You see, unlike the credits at the end of the movie, what we hear in the blessing, the benediction, is important and comforting and strengthening because it isn't just some useless information. It contains promises from God himself. As we prepare to leave God's house, he leaves us with his promises, his promises of protection, his promises of grace, and his promises of peace. God spoke these words and instructed Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, the priests, to use these words as a blessing to his people a year after they had left slavery in Egypt. Just think of all that they had experienced in the course of that last year. All the miracles that they had witnessed firsthand. The, the plagues in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea. Think of how God guided them. A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, protecting them also from their enemies. Think of how God fed them. The manna that fell to the ground every morning. Think of how God spoke to them, mostly through his prophet Moses, but also giving them directly his Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. What a year that was. But now they had come to the border of Canaan, the promised land where they were heading to, the place that God had given them as a homeland, that God wanted them to enter, the place where, most important of all, the Savior was to be born as God promised. So now they were going to enter the promised land, kind of like entering into the real world after that one year of unworldly experiences. And how wonderful it was that as they were there ready to enter the promised land, God left them with promises. And he started out with the promise. He said to, to, to Moses to instruct Aaron, say to Aaron and his sons, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. This is how you are to bless them. The Lord bless you and keep you. First of all, remember, this is not just some pious wish. We hope the Lord might. These are direct promises from God himself. The Lord will do these things. He will bless and keep you. The word keep literally means he will protect you. That would be very important promise for the Israelites to keep in mind because as they entered the promised land, they weren't going to be just able to waltz right in and take it back. There were people living there who did not want them there. They would face opposition. They would face battle every inch of the way from the Canaanites who did not want them back there in their homeland. But besides the physical opposition, they would face spiritual battle as those Canaanites who worship pagan gods and goddesses, sometimes of the most detestable kind, would tempt them to abandon the worship of the true God and fall into their pagan worship practices. 
But as they entered that promised land, they would enter with God's promise. He would be there with them. They weren't going alone. He would be there to keep them, to protect them. Sadly, most of them didn't believe it. Even though they were supposed to enter, that was God's will and they knew it, and they had God's promise of protection, they wanted to remain in that protective bubble that they had been experiencing over the last year and not face those enemies even though God promised to protect them. And so it would be another 39 years of living as nomads in the wilderness before they would finally enter the promised land. You know, in a lot of ways, what we experience in our worship during the one hour of our worship is kind of like what the Israelites experienced in that year of wandering in the wilderness when God instructed Moses to give this blessing. You know, think of it. We have experienced miracles in God's house. Every time we enter God's house, miracles like we're in the presence of the holy God himself who gives us his body and blood in the sacrament. Like the Israelites, we are fed by our God during our time together in his house. He feeds us with his word and sacrament. We are protected by God. We are blessed by God. We are led and directed by him, not with a pillar of cloud or fire, but by his word. But finally, the hour of worship comes to an end and, and, and it's time to go, time to get out into the real world. Maybe sometimes we kind of wish we could stay here a little bit longer where we're kind of in this bubble where we're not facing some of the, the, the things like we heard about in our scripture lessons this morning, the, the hardship and persecution and opposition that you can expect as a child of God who lives your faith and witnesses it to others. But here, we're among friends. And not just friends, we're among brothers and sisters in the presence of God. But we can't stay here. We have to leave. We have to get out into the real world because we got jobs to do, don't we? We're employers and employees. We are students and teachers. We are husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and children. And, and besides those jobs, we have the job that our Lord gave to us, one that you can't do here in his house, and that is to, to be his witnesses, to make disciples of all nations. That can only happen if we get out there among people who are not disciples. But like the Israelites, you know, you can expect opposition and problems. Danger both physically and spiritually. But when we walk out the doors of this house, we go with God's promise to keep you, to protect you. You're not alone. When you go out into the world, a dangerous an increasingly dangerous world we live in, we do so with the confidence that God says, I'm with you always. I will guard you and guide you and protect you. That doesn't mean that we won't ex experience anything bad or anything negative or any problems or pain. That's not true as we've been hearing in our scripture readings the last several Sundays. But it does mean this. Nothing happens to God's children apart from his good and gracious will. God who loves us enough to give up his son for you is certainly not going to allow anything to happen to you that isn't for your good. He will turn all things, even the bad things, into your good. He will be with you, guiding, guarding, and protecting you. Remember that when you walk out the doors. He says, I am with you 
and I will keep you. The blessing continues by saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The, the, the Hebrew that, uh, that's translated, the Lord make his face shine on you, literally says, the Lord make his face light up at you. We, we've all experienced that, haven't we? We've all seen somebody's face light up when somebody enters the room. Maybe you've had that as a parent. Uh, you've been away at work or for an extended period. You walk in, your small child sees you for the first time in a long time and their face just lights up because they're so happy to see you. They love you so much. Or maybe when a, 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 in a military family, when somebody's been deployed for an extended time and they return and the family catches that first glimpse and their faces just light up. They're so overjoyed to see them. They love them so much. What a beautiful picture and what a beautiful promise that God makes to us when he says his face is going to light up at you. God lights up his face at us because he loves us so much. But you've got to ask the question, why God? Why light up at me? Why smile at me? I mean, let's be honest. We deserve to have God scowl at us and frown at us, or worse yet, turn away from us, not light up. Yeah, we do good things. Hey, we came to church on a Sunday morning instead of sleeping in or playing golf or whatever we could have been doing. We do good things. We're kind to others. But let's start listing all of the bad things and the wrong things and the sinful things we do. Or better yet, let's not list them because you know them better than better than I do. I know my own heart and you know yours. That means we have no right to expect God to light up at us, to light his face up. So why does he? Well, he answers that in this same section of the blessing, the benediction. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Gracious, full of grace. Our God is filled with his undeserved, unconditional, forgiving love in Christ our Savior. He has blotted out all of our sins. He doesn't remember them. He doesn't look at you as somebody who deserves a scowl, but somebody whom he smiles at, somebody who, who is, makes his face light up. God's face lights up at us not just when we're here in his house singing his praise, but when we walk out the doors on Monday afternoon and Thursday evening. God's face lights up at us sometimes when, when he sees the good things that we do and say for others out of love for him. That makes him happy. Other times God's face lights up at us not because he's happy at what we've done, but because he is forgiving us. And he smiles as he forgives us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. That grace is evident when we're here in God's house from the beginning to the end of the service. You know, when we hear the words, I forgive you all your sins in the confession and absolution part of our service. That grace is so obvious. As we continue to hear God's word, as he t speaks to us, not just his law, but his forgiving gospel, as we receive Christ's body and blood when we celebrate his sacrament, I mean, that grace is so obvious here. Maybe not so obvious when you walk out the door. 
And that's why we need to have those words ringing in our ears as we leave God's house on a Sunday morning. Our Lord will make his face shine on you because he is gracious to you. His grace extends beyond the doors of his house and into your hearts and lives every single day. Finally, the blessing says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. It's a peaceful place that hour we spend in God's house, isn't it? For the most part, it's peaceful. It's usually pretty quiet. It's calm. It's relaxing for the most part in God's house. But, you know, we can't stay here forever. And, and unless you uh, forget to silence your cell phone, you know, there's really not the intrusion of the world outside when you come into this protected place of God's house. We call this the sanctuary. We're protected here. It's a holy place. We can't stay here. And you know what's going to happen. As soon as you walk out those doors, you flip on your cell phone, and all of a sudden you're inundated again with all those demands and needs and, and, and all the bad news that the news cycle just keeps churning out. It's peaceful in here, but it seems like it's anything but peaceful out in the world. So how is it that God can say, I will continue to give you peace even as you go out into the world? Well, that's because God's peace is very different than the world's version of peace. Jesus told his disciples, Peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. God's peace is far more permanent and far more perfect than the peace that the world talks about. God's peace is a peace between us and him, number one. We basically declared war on God. The, the human race declared war on God when, we fell, when Adam and Eve fell into sin and when every one of his descendants has continued that practice. But God ended the war through his son Jesus who said, it is finished. We're at peace with God. And because we're at peace with God, that means we can be at peace with each other, even those who sin against us and hurt us. Maybe best of all means we can be at peace with ourselves. If our God loves us that much, he accepts us as his sons and daughters, he forgives us all our sins, I can forgive myself and I can go out and serve him and serve others. And that peace does not end at the door of the church. Everywhere you go, everything you encounter during the rest of the week, you know you're at peace with God. And that means you can extend that peace to those around you even when they are anything but peaceful to you. In a, about 10 minutes, you're going to hear those same words once again. You're going to see me do the same thing you've seen me do virtually every worship service and you've probably seen every other pastor you've ever had in your life I'm going to say those words that I've said thousands of times. The Lord bless you and keep you. When that happens, don't let those words roll off you like the words rolling down the screen at the closing credits of a movie. Listen to them. Take them to heart. 
believe them because they are a promise from your God and leave his house rejoicing, confident, and comforted. Your God goes with you when you walk out of here. He will continue to protect you. He will continue to shower his forgiving grace on you and you will continue to be at peace with him. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.